Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W.A.B. in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Lois Wrightsis. Thank you for listening. Singer-songwriter Chloe Agnew was already famous at the age of 14 as one of the original members of the phenomenal group Celtic Woman. She'll rejoin the group on tour this season and has a new recording with John Driscoll Hopkins of the Zac Brown Band. Later this hour, we'll hear about her upcoming concerts in our area and why Chloe Agnew considers Atlanta her second home. First, if you're sad that the 2021 Tokyo Olympics ended and miss watching the games on TV, Red Speedo, the new production at Actors Express, may restore that excitement. The play centers on Ray, a swimmer trying to qualify for the Olympics. The actor who plays Ray Marlon Burnley joins me now via Zoom with Actors Express Artistic Director and Director of Red Speedo, Freddie Ashley. Welcome to City Lights. Thanks, Lois. We always love being here. Appreciate you having me. Freddie, this is the first play to be on stage in person at Actors Express since the lockdown last year. How does it feel to be back in the theater? Oh, it feels fantastic. You know, we feel as though we've been in some kind of limbo or holding pattern for the last over a year and a half now. And so to be back doing what it is that we're here to do, and that is share stories uh, in a live space with people gathered, it it really is just a a thrill and we're, we're overjoyed. Mm. Now, why did you want to reopen with this play? Well, this playwright is one who I have a particular fondness for. We've done a couple of his other plays, The Christians and A Doll's House Part Two. And what I like so much about this one is that aside from being entertaining with plot twists and snappy dialogue and, and all kinds of fun stuff, it also is something of an allegory for the state of American values. And I thought it was a really interesting time to explore that. Now, 
Would you summarize the plot of Red Speeder? Sure. Without giving too much away, Ray is a swimmer who is seeking to qualify for the Olympic team. And there have been some performance enhancing drugs found in a shared refrigerator at his uh, training facility. And as the play unfolds, you find out who in Ray's life has an agenda for his success and how they're pinning their hopes and dreams on his making the team and all kinds of questions about the, the drugs themselves and the implications thereof really swirl around and inform everything that happens. Mm. Marlon, you play the role of Ray. How would you describe his character? His eyes are bigger than his stomach. He's, he's larger than life. He has really big goals and dreams, and he goes after that. In a way, he's kind of fearless. And when he loves, he loves hard. Mm. And when he hurts, he feels that deeply. In preparing for this role, did you undergo rigorous training to get your physique in Olympic shape? Yeah, there was there was some working out. Generally, not to pat myself on the back, but I'm I'm generally it wasn't decent shape. Uh, but yes, I did up my trips to the gym cardio wise, knowing that Ray is on stage for the entire 80 minutes and knowing that breath is very important for an actor. I wanted to be very aware of uh, where I was physically. Speaking of where you are, I was hoping you could tell us about this set. Is there a real pool on stage? There is water, not enough to swim effectively in. Uh, <laughs> but to make the most of the acting space, they opted to not go with the full pool. But we are in a locker room. Um, it's very stark, clean, feels very athletic. There's a smell of chlorine when you walk into the theater. Um, so it's a really that way. Yeah. Freddie, I, I would think this must have been very entailed, if not expensive. Well, it, it, it was, uh, <laughs> it both. was definitely both. <laughs> um, we, we knew it was important to have the pool, uh, symbolized on, on stage. And so the way we designed the set, uh, Seamus Bourne is our scenic designer, as well as the production manager at Actors Express. The playing area sort of floats over the pool. So the pool is ever present, though it's not swam in. And we wanted to create this world that was isolated unto itself with little escape that the uh, characters are in this time and space uh, in a very a concentrated way. And uh, so we, we think what we came up with was a, a really beautiful approach. And as Marlon said, it is very stark and, and clean and creates a backdrop for the actors to really uh, showcase their, their work. And how do you achieve the smell of chlorine? Well, we put chlorine tablets in the water. Really? Yeah, yeah. Which is good for hygiene, but it also, you know, we, we really did want that sensory experience of walking into, uh, you know, an auditorium or, or pool area. Oh, I can't wait to see this and smell the chlorine. Yes. The timing of this play is great. I mentioned many people are sad that the 2021 Olympic Games have ended, but it's also timely in conversations surrounding Olympians who 
had tested positive for certain drugs. How does Speedo address the pressures Olympians face trying to be the best of the best? Well, it really looks at how many people have a vested interest in the success of the athlete. And that pressure is compounded as so many people are pinning their own agendas onto the athlete's performance. And so one can certainly see why athletes feel that pressure, not only to succeed and win, but to to showcase themselves and represent themselves in a certain way. So for me, what was resonant about the timing was less about the doping itself and more about understanding with new eyes that pressure based on how courageous Simone Bile was to step away from the competition, despite what must have been extraordinary pressure for her to perform. So her having taken that very brave step, just as we were beginning to rehearse the play, was something that was definitely in the air as we started our work. I can see how that would have further informed your work. How does Ray maneuver around the rumors about the performance-enhancing drugs that are found in the locker room's fridge? Well, I, I would say that it's a question that gets resolved fairly quickly in the play. It's not the central dramatic question of the play. Uh, I think what's interesting about it is less how Ray maneuvers and more how the people around him maneuver. That really is the the drama of it all, is the people around him maneuvering for him, against him, on his behalf, using him, looking out for him. Uh, The agendas are often competing and taking up a lot of space around Ray. Freddie, you mentioned this is the third play by Lucas Nath that Actors Express has produced. What is so special about uh, Lucas Nath's writing is that his plays often hold contradictory ideas all at once. And that's something that I find really fascinating. And I don't know any other playwright who does that with quite as much skill as he does. And so for me, the the snappy dialogue and the, the plot twists are just the kind of a cherry on top for this really crackling uh, drama of ideas. On August 9th, Actors Express announced a vaccine mandate for patrons as well as the actors, and you were the first theater in Atlanta to do so. What went into that decision? We had been contemplating it for a few weeks, particularly as the Delta variant began to grow so quickly and the numbers began to rise accordingly. We just felt that it was the right time. We were getting closer to opening. We we felt it was in the best interest of everyone's safety to add that extra safeguard. And we certainly recognized that um, the vaccination issue can be complex for certain people. There are those who may want to receive it who can't for whatever reason. Uh, So we did also uh, add an accompanying protocol to our policy that a negative PCR test within the last 48 hours or a rapid test on site would suffice. Great. I read that Actors Express updated its anti-racism, anti-bias action plan in June, and it says playwrights of color and women 
shall be included in any season lineup at a rate of no less than 50% of all main stage productions. Why is that commitment important to Actors Express? We live in a community that is one of the most diverse in America. And inclusion has been at the center of our mission since the very beginning, 1988. I think how we have understood inclusion has shifted and grown over the years. And we believe that there is a responsibility to reflect the communities we serve uh, more fairly, more equitably. So it's just very important to us that we're, that we're doing so that that's first and foremost reflected in our programming. But then it is also reflected in every other layer of our organization on stage and behind the scenes. Actors Express director Freddie Ashley and actor Marlon Burnley. The play Red Speedo is running through September 5th, and more information will be on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll revisit our interview with the one and only Henry Winkler, you're tuned to WABE Atlanta. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Actor and author Henry Winkler recently announced on Twitter that season three of his award-winning TV series, Barry, has started filming. In celebration, let's listen back to my interview with Winkler and his longtime co-author, Lynn Oliver. We spoke late in 2019 when they were in town launching their new book series, Alien Superstar, for readers ages 8 through 12. Henry Winkler, Lynn Oliver, welcome back to City Lights. Thank you, Lois. Great to be here. We're so happy to be here and in Atlanta. Well, we are so great th- city. Thrilled to have you. Thanks. Now, you two are launching a new book series, and launch has more than one meaning. In that is instance, so true. <laughs> in this instance right. of Alien Superstar, how does the main character, Buddy Berger, end up on Earth? He is on a repressive planet, the Red Dwarf Planet. Down his back is a kind of a uh, a trunk affair, um, and it is a um, a sensory enhancer. He enjoys <laughs> smells and tastes and art and color, and 
he and his grandma surreptitiously have watched television that leaked as it was being transmitted all over the world. It leaked out into space. His grandmother collected it, and they watched entertainment. I should add that his grandmother's favorite show is Happy Days. It is so true. You are <laughs> unabashed, it's, aren't you? I am. It's on a, it's, it was amazing <laughs> that she, too, watched it up there on the Red Dwarf planet. So all of a sudden, at 13, all of the citizens there sensory enhancer is turned off. Kind of like a bar mitzvah? It, well, yes, but they are now devoid of any joy. Oh. They are devoid of um, uh, being stimulated by the senses so that they make no waves for the government. His grandmother, who is the star, the, the Starfleet uh, mechanic, master mechanic, cobbles together a rocket ship from used parts, broken parts, and just before her grandson, Buddy Berger, before his um, sensory enhancer is turned off, he takes off and lands on the only address they know on Earth, the back lot of Universal Studios. Okay, now I can say to both of you, you are unabashed. Yes. But why is it not so far-fetched that an alien landing on the Universal Studios lot would be considered normal? Well, on the back lot, there are strollers. There are characters who walk around as Bart Simpson and Harry Potter. So when an alien disembarks from a spaceship at Universal, no one even gives a nod. It's like, oh, that's a cool costume, dude. So uh, it's a perfect place for him to fit in and lead a, a life with a secret identity, which is what the book is about. So, Henry, much of your prolific career has been as a television actor. Prolific does not begin to capture your achievements as a creator of family entertainment and TV books, movies. How did you both mine your inside knowledge of TV for Buddy's adventures? Well, it, it, it's very easy. You know, we took a, you know, when I landed in California in 1973, I was really a stranger in a strange land. I had studied acting. I acted in New York. But being in Hollywood is a whole other kettle of fish. Mm -hmm. So it, we took a stranger in a strange land, in a land we understand from the inside out. And we figured children think, oh, wouldn't it be great to be a star? And they also love aliens. So we took those two and mashed them up and made it into this adventure. Now, in your first series of books, you mentioned here's Hank. Yes. Hank, the main character, right. looks like a regular boy. Right. He is gifted with exceptional humor. Right. His friends include girls. I think his best friend's a girl. And his friends are kids from all different cultural backgrounds. So. Right. It's easy to see how kids reading Here's Hank see someone like themselves on the page. How will kids identify with, how will kids identify with the six-eyed alien? 
Well, I, I, first of all, I think that most kids feel like strangers in a strange land. You know, they've just arrived on the planet. Our readers are eight or nine or ten years old, which isn't really very long to have established your own values and your own uh, what you love and what you don't love. And they're surrounded by adults who are telling them what they're supposed to love and not love. Mm-hmm. So here's a character who's completely open to the world. Everything is a new experience. So we think that that's a very relatable thing for most for most kids. I mentioned his uh, Here's Hank. Um, you wrote that series of books specifically for kids with dyslexia. Yes, uh, Here's Hank and Hank Zipser, the world's greatest underachiever. Uh, all together, there are 12 Here's Hanks. Okay. He is in the second grade. He doesn't know yet he's dyslexic. He just keeps getting himself in and out of trouble. In, uh, in Hank Zipser, he's in the fourth grade, and he now finds out he's got a learning challenge. And then one in five children on the earth have some sort of challenge. Well, your achievements with that series are extraordinary. Thank you. And, and we've had the pleasure of discussing that before. The humor in Alien Superstar, I think, is directed at a slightly older age yes. group. Yeah. And, um, you know, fart jokes loathing dentist. There is nothing like a fart joke. <laughs> I have to say I'm 74. I was I just had my birthday and Mazel I tov. thank you so much and I I bend over backwards to uh, to laugh at a fart joke. Okay, well there are some good ones yes. in here. Well, you know what? Lynn and I truly believe that humor is the beginning and the end of capturing a reader. It is the um, as Lynn always says it's the gateway to um, capturing a reader and making them a reader for a lifetime. I think it's the gateway to a better understanding of life. I think comedy is much more difficult than drama. You know, uh, W.C. Fields said, dying is hard, comedy is harder. Oh, what a great line. Um, What are some of Buddy's superpowers? Uh, Buddy has the power to transform into a human avatar. So he can, in his natural state, he has suction cups for toes because he comes from a low-gravity planet, so they needed to develop suction cups so they didn't float off into the atmosphere. He has seven fingers. He has six eyes that rotate around his head. He's cobalt blue. But he has the power to hold on to an amulet that he wears around his neck and biologically transform into a a very handsome teen idol. So his main power is the power of transformation. It's a delicate one, though, because unless he has just the right nutrition and just the right amount of hydration, his powers of biological alteration can fail. Mm-hmm. which is a very important plot point. And there are suspenseful moments. Yes. Yes. Well, he yes. can also speak 72 languages, 71 really well. He's got trouble with Hungarian. Everyone does. <laughs> yes. Everybody so has trouble. It's a weird <laughs> language. Sorry, Hungarian. It is. Um, let's talk about grammar wrinkle. Wrinkle is an anagram for Winkler. I never oh, thought of that. Oh, me either. I only thought that um, uh, it was a um, a description of a a woman of age. 
Oh, you uh, devious you know, thing. You got your name in there. I never thought of that. <laughs> really? I was Ever. sure it was no. either the anagram or a dyslexic spelling no. or just... No, you know, that's interesting. No. I'm going to take that. Take it and yes. please run with it. I was it. smart enough to think of it as an anagram. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, never um, entered my mind. The citizens I never the- had a grandmother. I know. So she is the grandmother that I always dreamt of having. Yes, and um, actually there is, there's a portion of the book that um, reminded me of a very serious conversation we had on your first visit, Henry. When Buddy is scared of appearing in front of an audience, in front of a live audience, he thinks of Grandma Wrinkle who always said, Grandson, live your dreams, not your fears. Right. And he reminds himself, Grandma Wrinkle had sacrificed so much for me to go to Earth, maybe even her own life, so I could pursue my dream. I couldn't let fear take this opportunity from me. You told an astonishing story of your family's escape from Nazi Germany in the last minutes when anyone could get out of Berlin. Was Buddy's recognition of Grandma Wrinkle's sacrifice an echo of your own? Do you know, it might have been subconscious, but I never thought of it that way when we were writing it together. What I do know is this. What I have learned in my, my time here on Earth is that anticipatory fear is worse than the actuality. And that there were so many times I would talk myself out of doing a project because um, I didn't think I was worthy. And I finally said to myself, either shut up and and sell shoes or jump off the precipice and fly. Well, we're very glad that you flew. Thank you. Now, tell, tell us, please, about the Oddball Academy. The Oddball Academy is the show when uh, Buddy arrives on the planet, miraculously, he is cast as an alien on a, tele- on a hit television show. <laughs> Not typecast. Not typecast. So the, the television show is called The Oddball Academy, and it's a bunch of kids who live in a, in a boarding school environment, and each of them is there because they have some peculiar ability or talent. So there's Ulysses Park, who is able to do impressions of historical figures that he's never heard. And there's Cassidy, who becomes his best friend, who is uh, kind of has a, a paranormal ability. So each of the kids, this is the premise of the show, each of the kids who is there, it's a little bit like Harry Potter, you know, a wizarding school. It's a school for kids who have... Uh, extraordinary abilities. But normal problems. Normal problems. Yes, very normal problems. This whole book, you know, we also feel that uh, in order for a book really to take root, um, it it is underpinned by uh, the idea of authenticity, body shaming, uh, what happens if you reveal who you really are? Will you still be accepted by um, the group around you? So all of these real uh, important um, uh, problems uh, or, or challenges are underrooting, uh, supporting our comedy. 
and uh, underscoring the seriousness of these issues that kids face right. and take into adulthood. I love it when um, Cassidy finally gets what is it a plate of brownies or desserts <laughs> that Buddy brings her because right. her mother will only allow her a, celery a salad? Stick. Yes, yes, she can have salad, but hold the egg. Uh, the the <laughs> the mother is a so calorie perfect. counter, so um, our Cassidy is always frustrated in that she wants to enjoy um, food and can't because she has to fit into her costume. Mm. Now, alien superstar and Buddy's adventures build momentum, and there's suspense, there's excitement, and there's an ending that begs, screams for a sequel. We're in the middle of writing that second novel right now. I thought so. And I know those readers, um, including myself, will be very happy to read the second one. If you are just joining us, this is City Lights. Our guests are Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver. We've been talking about their new book, Alien Superstar. As an actor, Henry Winkler is quite the star himself. He recently won an Emmy Award for his role in HBO series Barry. Henry portrays the acting teacher Gene Cousineau. Here talking to Bill Hader, who portrays Barry, a low-level hitman, who's taking acting classes from Jing. Let's listen to this clip. I once auditioned for the guy that robbed the house on Full House. And I carried a loaded Beretta with me into the audition just to feel the weight of it. Did you get the part? Oh, they freaked out. Now look, you're in a shell. You need to break out, and I've got the perfect antidote for you. Ten cc's of pure mammoth. Mammoth? Yeah. You're going to play Blake in Glengarry Glen Ross, the movie. I'm going to send you the pages. Here's my only direction. I'll let the cat out. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Thank you. What has the... What has playing the role of Gene Cousineau meant for you personally as well as professionally? Okay, so I would have to say maybe like three things. One is that I, it's like a gift, a, a birthday gift for, that keeps going. Two, that I work with this incredible ensemble of people that they are so much fun to be with every day. And three... I got the Fonz when I was 27. I got Barry, Gene Cousineau, at 74, 72. So you just switch the numbers. That I am still in the thick of it when other men are waiting at home for the phone to ring or some of them have put that phone in the closet, put it away, is astonishing to me. Hmm. Thrilling. When you won the Emmy, yes. aside from the professional achievement, yes. there was such genuine warmth from your peers in that ovation you received. We have some excerpts from your response. I only have 37 seconds. I wrote this 43 years ago. Okay. 
Okay, can I just say, Skip Brittenham said to me a long time ago, if you stay at the table long enough, the chips come to you, and tonight, I got to clear the table. If you get a chance to work with Bill Hader or Alec Berg, run, don't walk. My wife, Stacy. oh my God, my cast and crew, and, and the kids, kids, Jed, Zoe, and Max, you can go to bed now, Daddy won! Of course, my children are 36, 38, and 48, but I did tell them they could go to bed. <laughs> because that was the part from 43 30, years yes, ago. Right. right. Oh, we were so excited, and I wondered if you felt mm, that it was a little different, that ovation. I could not feel the ovation because your mind turns to cream cheese. <laughs> I, I, I've told this story before, but when I was walking up the stairs to collect the Emmy, I saw in front of me the two stars of The Crown, the TV show The Crown, and I started to talk to them about their second season. You know, and you and then, didn't take the statue. No, I forgot, and then I went, "Oh my God!" They they looked at me like I was weird, and I thought, <laughs> "Oh right, I have to give a speech." That's why I turned around, and it said thirty-seven seconds. That's why I said, "Oh, I only got thirty-seven seconds to 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 give what I wanted to but say." But see, that shows your generosity. Here you were acknowledging those actors. Oh, they were so wonderful. They were well. You were on inside the actor's studio yes. with Alec Baldwin, yeah. and he described your appearance on the show as a masterclass in acting. Oh, wow. As you discussed elements of craft. When you spoke directly to the audience of students... The students. Do you know what? I'm telling you, that is one of my favorite things in the universe, that... I got to talk to the students and tell them it's going to be fine, you know, that all, you just keep your mind on your dream. And you told them, we are mirrors. Yes, that is true. Would you explain that? I believe, and not only that, I was taught that the reason you act is not to ride in a limousine. It is not to, to be a star. But we, as actors, we are mirrors of society. We, are, we show the rest of society who we are or who we could be. Like in South Africa, uh, the, uh, the, it was so repressive that music was, um, uh, was uh, you know, um, censored. Uh, censored. Uh, the only thing that wasn't censored was the theater. In the theater, you could write plays and say whatever it was that was on your mind. Which helped bring the revolution. Absolutely. And it, that is where you are the mirror. And you must say, we are better than this. We have to take care of each other. We are a, a country that is one. We are a world that is one. Mm, it was very very moving. Thank you. You said the theme for Barry is, can you change your nature? Yeah, is it possible? Because if you cannot change your nature, we're cooked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
it's very hard to uh, to do that. A lot of people are frightened to make change in their in their journey, in their personality. But when you get to the other side, it's releasing. Mm. Well, I hope, Henry Winkler, that you will not change your nature because you. humility, gratitude, warmth, you're a mensch. Thank you. Lynn, there is no female word for mensch. But menchette. Lynn, a menchette. She's a menchette. A menchette. Lynn Oliver, thank you for decades of funny and smart family entertainment. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Well, it's been it, my life's work. Yeah, and it's made many people happy. It's just a joy to talk with you both. Thank you again for coming Thanks. on. Thank you. For you know, us. one fact that I love, together we've written 35 novels since 2003, but alone add another 10 or more that Lynn wrote all on her own by herself in her spare time. Where has she find spare time? Yeah, I, no I don't idea. know. And all but dissertation, one of these days you're going to finish the PhD? Yes. I, for many years I thought that was a good thing to say that I was all but dissertated, but I've recently learned that it's actually something you're supposed to keep to yourself. No, I think in your case it's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> the new book by Henry Winkler and Lynn Oliver is Alien Superstar. You can learn more about their children's book series on our website, wabe.org slash City Lights. Coming up, the latest from Irish singer-songwriter Chloe Agnew, including her recording with John Driscoll Hopkins of the Zac Brown Band and her tribute to the 1980s glam metal band Slaughter, you're tuned to WABE Atlanta. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Singer-songwriter Chloe Agnew was already famous at age 14 as one of the original members of the phenomenal group Celtic Woman. We last spoke in March when she performed two concerts from Georgia, one virtually and the other in person at the Red Clay Foundry in Duluth. She has upcoming events in our region and joins us again via Zoom. Chloe, welcome back to City Lights. Hello, lovely lady. Thank you so much for having me. So delighted to talk to you again. Likewise. Now, you have a worldwide reputation, and you have visited many of the world's great cities. Why is it that you consider Atlanta as your second home? <laughs> um, because I, I just I loved the way it's welcomed me and has made me feel like I'm a, a local here over the last few years. Um, it's It's been a very special place to me and that it's somewhere that I always loved coming to visit with Celtic Woman. We always had a fantastic time here, so much to the point that we filmed one of our DVDs at the Fantastic Fox. Atlanta people, the folks here in Georgia, have always just made us feel so welcomed and so at home here. 
And then over the last couple of years, working with the Atlanta Pops Orchestra, working with a, a lot of well-known people here on the Atlanta music scene, it's, it's just become a second home to me. And I'm very thankful that this state has welcomed me and, and has loved me as much as I loved it. <laughs> I'm very thankful for coming back every time. It clearly is a love fest. <laughs> what can you tell us about the all-female cover album, Slaughter. Yeah, super exciting project to be part of. My wonderful friend, Kari Walgren, who is an incredibly talented human being in her own right, she approached me about, gosh, it must be over, well over two years ago now at this stage. And she had this idea, Slaughter, where the fantastic glam rock hairband were, were a huge influence on her uh, teenage years growing up. And so she, she was just always a massive fan of the band and their music. And she came up with this fantastic concept to, to bring Slaughter's music into 2021 and called this whole project Slaughter, which is, is all of the music of Slaughter, but reimagined in a, in, in a whole new way, reinvented all of these, you know, very unusual kind of covers of their songs, well-known classics that you'd, you'd know and you'd love. But she decided to take this project and record it and produce it with an entirely female team. It's a fantastic project to be part of. There's Nikki Stringfeld. There's just amazing women who are all involved in this project. And to see Carrie's dedication, her passion for this project and her determination to bring all of these women from very different walks of life together to put their own unique stamps on, on Slaughter's music and to put this project together is, is really, really something very special special to be part of and um, my song on my own it's, it's my cover uh, of, of a Slaughter classic that's one of the first singles that's going to be coming out of the album it's released August 27th and I'm really excited for people to hear it because it's just it's, it's a, a completely different version to what they might be familiar with with the original and it was really amazing to get into the studio and, and get a chance to kind of put our own unique stamp on this. It's hard to face the reality When you know there's nothing left to do Many roads I've traveled Still I'm alone Wishing I could have this moment with you Still I can't deny That I want you back You've got me down Would you talk about how you approached this classic rock song and revised it to fit your own style? Yeah, well, I, I knew the original, obviously. And then Kari had a wonderful idea of just completely stripping it back and, and leaving it all about the vocal with just a simple accompaniment of piano and cello so that the lyrics could tell the fantastic story of On My Own. And it really related to me because when we did the music video with this, again, Kari, is, is, she's a genius. She's behind the whole thing um, creatively. And, and she had this concept for the music video that it would be clips of my life throughout the years of touring and and performing and you know what many people think of of a, the life of a touring artist it it looks very glamorous and it seems very exciting but people 
don't see that the, the reality of the long nights on the road, the one hotel after the next and and feeling, you know, very disconnected from your family, from your loved ones. Uh, so she wanted to kind of represent that both with the way we took the lyrics of the song and presented them in a, in a new cover and then also mirrored that in the video. So it was really cool to just get an opportunity to take this song and, and do my thing with it and, and really pour my heart and my soul into those lyrics mm. because they related a lot to me and, and my life story having toured from the age of 14. Yeah. You know, it, it really it, it hit home with me. Next month, you will join Grammy winner David Phelps and the Atlanta Pops Orchestra for a concert in Alabama. Have you worked with David Phelps before? I haven't, but Lois, let me tell you, I am freaking out. <laughs> I am the biggest, biggest David Phelps fan. I grew up in a household. My dad was a massive David Phelps fan. He introduced me to his music when I was only a little girl. He, he only told me there on the phone the last week that he remembers playing him on, on Our Power when I was sitting in front of the TV playing with my Barbies. <laughs> so he, he's, he, you know, he was on the phone to me last week and he just said, Chloe, I can't believe you're, you're going to be doing an actual show with David Phelps. You know, so we're our family, needless to say, are freaking out. I have been a massive, massive fan of his since I was a little girl. I think he is one of of life's greatest voices. I think he is a, a gift from above. And uh, to get the chance to share the stage with him is just it's, it's going to be a dream come true. I mean, I'm not actually getting myself excited until I'm not believing it's real until I'm standing on the stage singing with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. What do you think it is about your voice and David Phelps. How do you think your voices will complement one another? Interesting. Well, you know, we both come from similar enough musical backgrounds and that obviously we're classically trained, but in the, the nature of our world, we've both come from um, adult contemporary crossover. He's Christian. You know, he's come from an, uh, originally a, a more pop kind of background. His new album is fantastic. It's got a, a very modern kind of sound. So I, I think, I hope, I mean, I, I think they'll hopefully complement each other very well and that our styles are similar similar enough in that we can combine the crossover thing of, of a classical sound with a more modern contemporary feel. Um, so the pieces that we're going to do in the show, we're doing a couple of classics, the likes of Amazing Grace, which we've got a very special in Atlanta bagpiper joining us for that. And then we're going to do A Million Dreams, which is one of my favorite songs from The, the Greatest Showman, a wonderful movie. And we'll do one or two other little special ones as a surprise too. And then obviously we'll, we'll both do our own songs. And, and I know he has a new record coming out. So he's he's got a couple of new songs he's featuring off of that. And, and likewise, I've released some new music over the, the, the course of the last two years. So, look, you know what? We, we've had such a rough ride this last year of, of music and arts and entertainment has has suffered greatly in the time of, of COVID. And, and to get the chance to be able to stand on a stage with an orchestra and do what we do, to be honest, that's, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to. I really am. Just getting back and making music again with, with people who are, are really good at what they do is, um, is an opportunity that I'm just counting down the days to, Lois. I really am. Chloe, 2022 will be a very busy year for you because you will also tour with Celtic Woman, Postcards from Ireland in the spring. 
What made you decide to rejoin Celtic Woman as a guest artist? Well, they asked me to rejoin the group at the beginning of last year to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Celtic Woman, which is hard to believe, you know, because I was only 15 when I joined the group when we first started. I was 14 when we started uh, initially recording. And then I was 15 when we went out on the road for the first time together. So it kind of felt full circle for me. You know, it felt like here we were celebrating the 15th anniversary um, and they asked me to come back home where it all started for me. And obviously we all, we all got sent home, 12 shows in. And, and I kind of felt like it was a chapter that, you know, I had revisited, but I didn't really get to get my full chance to revisit it you know because we we only just got 12 shows in and, and then we all went home early March last year so I felt like I, I really had some some more life and music to explore with Celtic Woman and I was thrilled when they asked me to, to be part of this new special and honestly having been a Celtic Woman since day one I can hand on my heart say I have never been part of a DVD or a music special like it in Celtic Woman. I'm so excited for people to see what we've just filmed uh, all over Ireland. The most beautiful locations of our stunning landscape in Ireland. Getting to, to perform those songs in our home country, but in, in various different locations. Honestly, I felt like a tourist. I mean, there were places <laughs> that we, we, we got to go and visit in Ireland that I've, some of them I've never even heard of. Some of them I've dreamed of visiting and, and having been locked down for the last year, getting the chance to go out and, and perform these songs on our Irish landscape was just a dream come true. So I feel like it's a whole new chapter for Celtic Woman. I feel like it's a whole new chance for us to bring our music to people, but to also show how beautiful our country is. And I just hope people love it as much as we do because we're so proud of it. Later this year, you'll perform with Atlanta's John Driscoll Hopkins of the Zac Brown Band as part of an Atlanta Pops Christmas concert yes. in Roswell. John is Mr. Christmas. His, his <laughs> he is. I mean, so he right. Santa <laughs> on steroids, you know? Brilliant. Yes, indeed. I read that you and John are recording a single together that will be released this fall. What can you tell us about that? We just finished tracking vocals and our instrumentation yesterday here in Atlanta, um, which is so exciting. We had the best fun in his wonderful studios and brighter shade studios here um, in Atlanta. And he is honestly, he's one of my favorite human beings. I just adore him. I am also Mrs. Christmas. <laughs> so the two of us have bonded over our love of, of getting the chance to perform Christmas music together. And and uh, we've just so, I've so enjoyed making music with him over the last few years and, and becoming a friend of his. And this opportunity came up. I wanted to write a song with him and we had a little idea. I came into his studio earlier this year and we ran with it. And it's a fun little country song. We've kind of made a bit Celtic country. You know, we've introduced the likes of the Bowron, the Irish drum, the, the fiddle, and, and, and we kind of put my slant on it meets his world, his country world. And um, I'm so I'm so looking forward to folks hearing it because I, I think it's a it's a fun little song. The, the good sign is it's been stuck in my head all week <laughs> and I woke up singing it this morning. So I'm hoping if it's stuck in my head, it will also be one of those earworms that people will also love. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, Chloe, it is always a joy to speak with your effervescent oh. Irish self. <laughs> Likewise, Lois. Thank you so very much. Bless you. And thank you to all of your listeners, too. Big love to everyone. Irish singer-songwriter Chloe Agnew. Her new single and video, On My Own, will be released in September. More information about Chloe Agnew's upcoming shows and projects will be on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture. Catch an encore broadcast tonight at 9. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., we'll hear about song and dance. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical at Aurora Theatre. If you missed part of today's show, you can catch up on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. There you'll find our complete archive of interviews so you can listen to City Lights on your schedule. City Light senior producer is Kim Troves. Summer Evans is our producer, and our engineer is Shelley Canavy. I'm your host, Lois Reitzis. I'd love it if you'd follow me on Twitter at L-O-I-S-R-E-I-T-Z-E-S. You can also follow us on Facebook at W-A-B-E City Lights. Thank you for listening to W-A-B-E, Atlanta's choice for NPR. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.